John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, so it's evening time, the first day of the week, which is Sunday, the first day of the week, Sunday night, Jesus had resurrected Sunday morning. When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And aren't we always glad when we see God in the situation, right? They saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. So he spoke two pieces to them. A double piece, right? Now, this is written in the Greek, uh, which is the word erene for peace. Uh, the Old Testament word would be shalom. So a double portion of peace. Peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus wanted them to receive peace. Because obviously they were in fear. And uh, he's given them a commission. As the Father has sent me, I'm also sending you. And uh, so it's the night in which he was resurrected. But they obviously don't have resurrection power this time. They're just dwelling in fear. The door is shut. They're in this room. Jesus knew the first thing he needs to deal with is to minister peace to their hearts. Now, Jesus then makes them wait 40 more days. And he appears to them right before he's ascended. So this is the night of his resurrection. For 40 days, he's on this earth revealing himself to them. And then the day he's ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father, he gives them the great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so each gospel has a portion of that great commission. And in Luke's gospel, chapter 24, that's Luke's, uh, accounting of what we would call the Great Commission. And he tells them in Luke chapter 24, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Terry in Jerusalem until, and so 40 days later, he's now ministering power to them. Uh, you know, 40 days earlier, he's ministering peace to them. Now he's ministering the promise of power to them. He then ascends to heaven, and then 10 days later, or 50 days after his resurrection, 10 days later, they're in the upper room, and the power of God was given. They were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly, like a rushing mighty wind. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was poured out and they all were filled with the Spirit, filled with the power of God, empowered by the Lord. Now, the early church lacked peace, and we see that here in John's Gospel, chapter 20. They were assembled in fear. See that in John chapter 20, it said, being the first day of the week, the disciples were assembled. Did you know that's what the word church means in the New Testament? The assembly of believers. The, so there they are. It's like a church service, all right? They're assembled in fear. I have this down in my notes. Fear is expecting the devil to move, while faith is expecting God to move. So what do you have, fear or do you have faith today? Obviously, they're filled with fear. They had crucified Christ. Now, he's resurrected. He's already appeared to, to Peter and John at the tomb, or they got the message that he was resurrected, right? He'd already revealed that truth to them. Jesus told them ahead of time that he's going to be resurrected, but, and he now was resurrected. But those disciples, Sunday night, were not living 
as if Jesus was resurrected. They were not living their life as if he was victorious. The power of Christ, the victory of Jesus, was not apprehended by them by faith. They're all in fear, and sometimes that's us. We don't live our lives with the reality or with the truth that Jesus is alive, that he has defeated the enemy, that he is ultimately victorious, that he has given us his authority, and also has empowered us by his Holy Spirit, but we stay weak and fearful because we're looking at the circumstances when Jesus wants us to know that he's resurrected, and that all power belongs to us through him. Amen, church? So they're assembled in a small, dark, locked room. A small, dark, locked room. Well, I tell you what, that's no place for the church to be assembled. In a small, dark, locked room. Because the Lord wants to lead us to a large place. He wants us to know that he has set before us an open door. He wants to know that we should believe him for enlargement and for increase. He wants us to know that it's not dark, but as believers, we have the light of the world, right? And Jesus says this, the night comes when no one can work, but work while it is still day. While I am with you, it is daytime. That's what he told his disciples. So is Jesus with us? Yes. By his spirit, he's with us. Amen, church? We're believers, aren't we? He's with us. And so it's daytime. But you might be saying, well, it's getting so dark out there. There's darkness is covering the face of the earth. The darkness of evil, the darkness of deception, the darkness of this fallen culture. The darkness is, is just uh, enveloping. But Jesus says, as long as I'm with you, you should consider it daytime. And when if it's daytime, then we need to be working. So is it nighttime or is it daytime? And if it's daytime, we need to be? And why, why is it daytime? Because who is with us? Jesus. Jesus is with us. So they're all small. They're all dark. It's a locked room in bondage. Now, I, I came across this prayer, and we pray the pre-service prayer meeting. And if you're looking for a prayer meeting to attend, we have one, 8, 10, every Sunday morning. Jabez prays this prayer in 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10. Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. That's what he said. That your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. And so we know that this was an honorable prayer because the Bible says that God granted him what he requested. But he's praying for enlargement. Now, a lot of Bible scholars believe that Jabez was alive during the time of Joshua. So think about Joshua leading the children of Israel into the promised land, and they're taking possession of the promised land, taking possession of the promised land. There's enemies, there's giants, there's walled cities, but God says the land is yours, and Jabez, he, you know, he wants an enlargement. He wants increase. He wants to take possession. He's a giant killer. He, he's an enemy defeater. He's a believer in God. It's no wonder that God honored his request because he was a man of faith. But every single one of us should realize that God has something greater for us than fear, than smallness, than darkness, 
than bondage, like we're locked in this room. He wants doors opened. He wants us stepping forth. He wants us to be busy advancing the kingdom of God. Now, this early church in John chapter 20, they were assembling in fear, like I said, but also they were assembling without any purpose. It was a believer's only meeting. No evangelism, no outreach. The disciples did not invite their friends to this meeting on Sunday night. They didn't invite their loved ones to this meeting on Sunday night. They didn't invite any of the Pharisees or the sinners that needed Jesus. It's just these disciples all together, us four, no more. Well, there were 11 of them. Us 11, just like heaven, you know. That's pretty good, wasn't it? That just came out of the abundance of the top of my head. I just figured that. Us four, no more. Us 11, just like heaven. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. I mean, they, 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 he has to recommission them. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Now, he's always commissioning them when he had them for three years as disciples when he walked this earth. He told them that he was going to be crucified, that God was going to raise them from the dead. They know that there is work to do, but there they are, stuck in this small, dark, crowded, uh, locked room and uh, without any purpose. It's a believers-only meeting, and, and the last thing the Lord wants us to do is have believers-only meetings. Where, you know, where we all know each other and this is just the way it is and we don't want to invite anybody in because they might not like think like we think or they might not uh, act like we want them to act or they might threaten our position or sit in our favorite pew. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, if, if believers were sitting in the front row there, I would kick them out of that row for sure. For sure. I'd tell them to go sit where Roger and Chris sit and uh, take their spot. But anyway, we have to be willing. willing, I'm just joking here, all right? We have to to be willing to uh, welcome people. Am I right about that? So Jesus is speaking to them, and he tells them peace, right? He ministered peace to them twice, a double portion of peace. Now, in this, Jesus comes. We must realize peace is a person, Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, he's called the Prince of Peace. So it's in the position of authority or the Lord of Peace. In other words, only when Jesus is your Lord, truly your Lord, will you experience his peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Now, if you receive Christ and Jesus is not seated on the throne of your heart and you, you have other things more important, I want you to know that when trials come, you'll lack peace. But if you can, you can welcome him to sit upon the throne of your heart and be your prince or your Lord, I want you to know that he will bring his peace to you. Also, he shows up in the midst of them, the scripture says. He shows up standing among them. Peace is not just a person, Jesus. Peace is ultimately the presence of God. The presence of God. You sense his peace by his spirit, right? Now, when he shows up, he shows up and he says, see my hands? See my hands? Now, why is that so important? Because that's Jesus' way of saying, I love you. See my hands? The Bible says in Isaiah that uh, we are 
engraved on the palms of his hands, talking about his crucifixion. Those nail scars have a, are, are literally reminders, reminders that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died for you, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. No wonder they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord and they saw his love for them, right? So peace is a person, peace is the presence of God, and the Bible says he spoke peace. He spoke it to them. Peace comes from the person, from the presence, from the word of God. So many times I've been troubled and I have read his word and all of a sudden the word of the Lord quickens something to me and brings me into peace. Peace is the number one indicator you're in the will of God. You know, as we were praying about this trip to Pakistan, my wife and I and Roger and Chris and really uh, our leadership board, we were praying about it. Uh, we were trying to let the peace of God rule our heart. And if we were lacking peace, then we'd realize the Lord's not in it. But if we had peace, we'd realize that God is in this. It's a wonderful way to determine the direction of the Lord or the will of God is whether or not you have peace. Because God will withdraw the sense of his approval or the rightness of the situation. He'll withdraw that out of your heart and you'll feel uneasy you almost feel like a warning or I'm uncomfortable about this or somebody might put it this way, I've lost my peace. Well, in all of the uh, things that are happening, of course, the war with Israel and Hamas and all that's taking place, you know, my wife and I were very serious about this. We would talk to each other. We would pray about it. How do you feel? Because we didn't want to just blindly go and blow past any feelings. We wanted to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And now Jesus breathed on them. The breath of God. He breathed his breath into them. Reminds me way back in the garden, right, when God made Adam and formed him out of the dust of the earth, and then he breathed into him the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Here we have much the same thing. Jesus breathing his breath, life, eternal life, spiritual life into them, and they then became alive unto God by the Spirit. Alive unto God by the Spirit. Now he breathed and said, receive, and so somebody can breathe on you, and you can hold your breath. I don't want to breathe in what they have. You know, they're, they're, they're sick or whatever. I'm, I'm, not, I'm holding my breath. I don't want that. Or you can turn away. Or I bet you when Jesus breathed on them, they breathed it in. In other words, there was a response. There was a willingness. There is a wanting of this, right? And we need to want the Holy Spirit. We need to be open and receptive to what God is doing in our heart and in our life. And then after breathing into them his spirit and ministering a double peace to them, uh, and I love that, God always gives you double for your trouble. And Jesus then says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. He then commissions them to go forth. Hence the problem. They have peace, but they don't have power. They have peace. They have a commission to go. They don't have the power of God. Forty days later, Jesus says, wait. 
until you are endued or clothed or empowered from on high. Because we need more than peace to overcome, to witness, to advance God's kingdom, to defeat the enemy, to possess all that God has promised us. We need more than his abiding peace. Thank God for peace. We need more than just that. We need power. We need power. So he commissions them, but they still need the power. Which brings me to Luke 24, verses 49, where he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Okay, I want you to catch up with me here. He is saying, wait. They've already waited how many days? Jesus appears to them in the upper room in John chapter 20, the night of his resurrection. Luke 24, verse 49 is uh, right before he ascends to his father. How many days was that? Forty. He says, wait. How, much, how many more days do you have to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Ten. Because 40 plus 10 is 50. Pentecost is 50 days, right, after Passover. So he says, wait. In the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Jesus spoke these words 40 days after he spoke peace to his disciples. They waited 10 more days for Pentecost to be empowered. Now, one thing good, after Pentecost, we don't have to wait around. We don't have to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. The Spirit of God has been given. It has been poured out. All we have to simply come and receive. Receive. So he says, I'm going to send the promise of my Father. Listen to what it says in Acts 2.33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. That's Acts 2.33. Being exalted at the right hand of God, this is Peter preaching, received from the Father the promise of the Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Every time somebody is supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit, it is proof, evidence, that Jesus Christ ascended and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. You might be saying, well, I've, I've been saved and I've been filled with the Spirit. That is, the, I'm telling you this, that is evidence that Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again, ascended, and sat down. He's in a place of authority and power because when he sat down, he then sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being sent is evidence and proof that Jesus Christ is victorious. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He says, I will send the promise. That's right, the Holy Spirit is a promise. With all promises, we receive by faith. Promises are received by faith. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't have to work for it. You simply receive the promise. The Bible calls it the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift. But he says, wait until. Wait until. In other words, wait. Don't go out yet. Don't go out yet until you are empowered. Wait, don't go out until you are empowered. So the 
empowerment of the Holy Spirit is so that we as a church and as individuals might fulfill the Great Commission, might share our faith, witness our faith, declare our faith to a world that is lost. We need empowerment so that we might be effective in our witness for Jesus. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want to be effective in my witness for Jesus. I have 100 people signed up to the invite team in my church. How many of those are right here in the service are part of that 100? Raise your hand. All right. All of you raising your hand. That's great. And at, in just a couple minutes, I'm going to have you come forward. And we're going to believe that God's going to empower you fresh and anew to share your faith. And if you're here today and you say, well, I'm not a part of the invite team, but I love to serve the Lord. I love to share my faith. I, I, I need victory. I need supernatural power in these dark times. Will you pray over me? Absolutely. But you have to come forward. Because just imagine the water trough is up here. You've got to come and drink. I'd like you to get out of your seat, not right now, but when I call for you, get out of your seat to come down so that you're right here. You're going to put feet to your faith. Feet to your faith. And just a couple more things, then we're going for prayer, all right? Wait until he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem. There it is, Jerusalem. Wait in the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem... That, that, that's the busy place. That, that's where they crucified Jesus. That's the place of persecution. That's the place of opposition. That's the place of religious power. That's the place of political power. I, I want to go off to the mountain or down to the beautiful lake. I, I want to get away on a retreat. I, I want to go where it's safe. I want to go where it's quiet. I, I want to remove myself from the, the hubbub of all this. This is a place of challenge. I don't want this here. And I want you to know that Jesus wanted them to receive right then and there because he understood that the power of God is available to all of us that enables us to overcome where he has placed each and every one of us. You might be saying, man, at my work, there's devils there. At my job, there's devils there. There's devils living at home. There's devils here. That I just need to escape. And the Lord would say, no, I want to empower you right where you're at so that you might overcome right where you're at. Somebody say amen to that. Well, we got to overcome right where we're at. We got to overcome right here in Highland, in the state of Michigan, in the state of Michigan. You know, it's a dark place. It's very dark. Michigan's very dark. We're going to do some serious fasting and praying uh, in January so things can turn around in the state of Michigan and uh, those who should be winning games will win games and those who... I had you guys going there, and he says, if you get this, you'll get power from on. Where does our power come from? Heaven. Heaven. 
You know, uh, new age, always look, you look within, the power within, the God within, the power of self, this, you look within, you look within, you look around, your friends, you know, this, 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 and this. But uh, the gospel is power from on high. God sending you power to overcome in your city of Jerusalem, right? Listen to what Jesus said. We'll close with this one. On the last day of the great day of feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the idea of he pours in so that it might flow out. So the blessing, the empowerment that you receive is so that it might flow out of you. So that you might be a channel of living water to people. Flowing out, flowing out, flowing out. You know, I, I, just, I just want to feel God, you know, for myself. Well, that, that's good. I want to feel God for myself too. But Jesus says that, that it might flow. Flow out. He wants you to be a channel, right? But he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come, drink. I always, I've mentioned this many times through the years. If you want empowerment, you must thirst, you must come, you must drink. Thirst, come, drink. Are you thirsty? Do you see your need? That's really what thirsting is. I need you. As a deer panteth for the water, so my soul panteth or longeth for you, O Lord, thirsty. The world is a dry and barren land. This world offers nothing to you spiritually. You must receive from above God. You need to be thirsty for the Lord, thirsty for more of his power. Thirst, and then what do you do? You come. So I'm going to have you come. And then what do you do? You drink. Just as Jesus breathed on them, they had to breathe in. If Jesus begins to pour out his spirit like water upon you, what do you do? You drink. This is an act of re receptivity. You're receiving. You're, you're engaging your will and your emotions to drink in, drink in, drink in. And if you do this, God will do wonderful, wonderful things. All right.